All right, there we go. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Team here, and this is BXJS Weekly, episode 85, bringing you all the best JavaScript news of the week in a podcast form. And uh, yeah, we got some pretty intriguing stuff this week around, so let's just get started. Uh, hey, Frontend Nexus, welcome to the stream. So as usual, the first section is getting started. We got a couple of articles here this time around. The first one is introducing SAS modules. So uh, SAS actually added proper module support, like it had the import clause for quite some time, but it was a bit confusing because import is also a CSS feature and there was like a bunch of limitations with regards to importing SAS modules. So now you got the use clause that actually works as a proper modules for the SAS, uh, which is quite nice. And if you're using SAS and the feature sounds interesting, then this article is a very good write up and introduction to it. So do check it out. Hey, Bakao, welcome to the stream. All right, continuing, we got seven simple but tricky JavaScript interview questions, a pretty nice collection of interview questions. Um, I don't really agree that some of them should be in here. Most of them are actually really good. Uh, the one that I personally don't like is this eagle eye test, which is basically has a semicolon in a place where it shouldn't be, which, you know, don't write code like this. And then if you use prettier, then it's going to be painfully obvious that this is wrong. But uh, yeah, this, this, you know, this is just my nitpick. Basically, I would, yeah, this is just not something I think is a good question. But the other ones are actually quite decent. So if you are getting started with JavaScript or you want to check your level of knowledge, then those questions are actually a pretty good uh, test, I guess. Okay, continuing, we got React lifting state up is killing your app. A dive, deep dive into the heavily nested states that basically uh, make your app re-render unnecessarily. In this case, it's... Uh, row cell rendering as in the first example comes here is the um, game of uh, what is it tic-tac-toe right but then expanding the array and seeing the performance problems with it and how you can exactly battle that nothing super complicated but you know if you're just getting started with react and you are trying to figure out the way to think about the state then this is actually a pretty good write-up so do check it out okay and uh, the last thing we got here is the wondrous world of CSS counters, a really cool write up about the CSS counters and how they work. If you've never heard about this feature. So CSS actually allows you to define custom counters and then to display them in CSS in some way using like, you know, before, after or whatever. So you can actually create your own custom lists that will, well, count stuff, right? So no, it's not limited to UL or um, OL tags. You can actually do it with just about anything, including headers, paragraphs, or whatever. And this article shows how to use it and also talks about uh, non-conventional counters and also doing fizzbuzz with it if you, yeah, like if you, <laughs> if you really like that. So um, yeah, there you go. If that sounds interesting, do check it out. I mean, I actually found out about CSS counters like a, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when we used that feature in our new website. It's pretty interesting that you can actually do that with CSS, but um, yeah. Okay, so this is it for the getting started section. Now we got the articles and news. We got some very crazy stuff here, here this time around. So the first one is drawing realistic clouds with CSS and SVG. Now, yeah, this like literally the article explains how you can uh, make clouds using a basic CSS and then distorting it with the SVG filters, which is 
kind of mind-blowing and uh, there's like a lot of uh, so the, most of the article is basically explanation of how exactly that works but if you're just curious about the results there's the uh, code pen that shows off the cloud that is essentially just html and css and it's like you know 10 lines of code which is to be honest mind-blowing so if that topic sounds interesting do check it out it's a quite fascinating what you can actually do with um, css and svg filters there is some really cool things here. And then obviously, you know, you can go like randomize it with random seeds and stuff. And uh, there is a cloud generator that you can use. We, <laughs> this stuff is crazy. It's, it's really great actually. So do check it out. Okay. Next article we got here is persistent layout patterns in Next.js. A pretty nice write-up on uh, making your website layout persistent and, you know, making it load without actually reloading the whole page. This is especially important for um, building the apps that have nested tabs, for example, in Next.js, because by default, it will reload the whole page. So this article talks about how to actually combat this and how do you make sure your app doesn't jump and the loading happens uh, a lot faster than, you know, if you would reload the whole page, essentially. If you're working with a complex apps like this and Next.js, then do check this one out. There's more than one approach here. And uh, essentially they all compared against each other and uh, you probably will find an approach that will work best for your case. There's some very interesting thoughts here and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good write-up. Okay, uh, next thing we got here is faster web applications with Vue 3. So this is a pretty nice write-up that explores what's new in Vue.js version 3. Um, outlining how exactly it will, you know, improve performance, make the API tree shakeable, and what other things are changed there. Uh, my favorite highlight is probably the proxy-based reactivity. I know that, you know, not all people will like that because you cannot use proxies in older browsers. But um, the cool thing is that using proxies actually makes uh, for a really incredible performance improvement. So like, as you can see here, the basic uh, demo that was um, shown there for the comparison rendering 3000 stateful component instances gets about double performance improvement so it's 2x faster than the view version 2.5 which is you know just by switching to proxies is actually quite impressive uh, so if you're interested in Vue.js version 3 and you are curious as to exactly what is changed do make sure to check this one out Right, that is it for the articles and news. Now we're coming to the tips, tricks, and bit-sized awesomeness. The first thing we got here today is a tiny write-up that um, is titled Updating Your Website Fab Icon Dynamically with Dark Mode. So if you're trying to make your website uh, dark mode compliant, you know that it might be a bit of a pain in the ass, especially with regards to icon. So sometimes you have the icon that just fits the dark mode, and other times, well, there are some elements that are, you know, like black, for example. Like in this case, his... Uh, James Ross blog has this JR uh, logo with J being black by default, which means that if you enable dark mode, you cannot really see that J. And the article talks about essentially dynamically swapping the um, icon by using the dark modes, the watch media query um, function in JavaScript and by just dynamically swapping it uh, as soon as the mode switches, which is a pretty nice approach. So if you're working with dark mode, make sure to check this one out. Hey, Kepler, welcome to the stream. All right, next thing we got here is announcing Ionic React. So the Ionic now supports React and has a full on React framework built with it. Uh, again, you know, this is Cordova based framework. I, 
I worked with Cordova back in the days when it was like a standalone thing. I like I don't even know what the state of it now, to be honest, but I'm not sure why would I pick Cordova based thing over the React Native at this stage, because I think the React Native approach is like a lot better than Cordova. I guess if you wanna have like simplicity of porting your web components to the mobile app, um, going this way is probably better, but I, I don't know, like anyway. If you were interested in Ionic but didn't want to go Angular, now you can go with React. And the framework they have actually seems to be quite nice. I mean, the React framework does like the router, the default components and stuff like this all included. Seems to be pretty handy actually. So if you are interested, do check it out. All right. Next thing we got here is a couple of RFCs for React, oh, sorry, Next.js. The first one is we're finally getting custom routes in Next.js. So you will be able to uh, do redirects, rewrites, and uh, there's gonna be an API for next routes and related libraries that will basically allow you to, well, customize the routes in Next.js finally in a way that is flexible and not just depends on your file structure, which is something, for example, Gatsby supported for quite some time, but Next.js didn't, but we, you know, we're finally getting it, which is kind of great. Yes, it is great. I mean, sometimes, you just need this one tiny redirect from one page to another. And you know, it, by like with the current version of Next.js, you literally had to add a full on server with Express just to handle that one redirect, which was annoying as hell, or make a client side redirect, which is even more ugly. But yeah, so now you'll be able to just do it in a config, which is super handy. So cannot wait for this to basically go live, probably gonna be in the next major update. But yeah, looks looks really great. Uh, life quality updates, indeed, yeah. Right, next thing we got here is the new RFC for Next.js for plugins. So we already, I mean, Next.js already kind of has plugins, but the idea is to make sort of plugins version two, I guess, which will be zero config, uh, code splitting built in, and official and community plugin support. So basically the same that we already have for the current version of plugins. I guess the zero config and code splitting built in is the most important bits. Because right now, if you ever try Next.js with plugins, you know that you need to, you know, configure them additionally, which is a bit annoying, basically. But uh, the cool thing is that, yeah, essentially, you will be able to just say uh, npm install React, React DOM, Next, Next styled components, for example, and you will have Next.js set up with styled components without any additional files. You can just create pages in Next.js and start working, which is actually really awesome. So there you go. If you're interested in the proposals uh, and giving them feedback, make sure to read them and uh, give your feedback if you're heavily involved with these areas of uh, Next.js. I guess, you know, RFCs are there for feedback specifically. So yeah, there we go. Right, next thing we got here is a post from Microsoft team, improving form controls in Microsoft Edge and Chromium. So uh, it's kind of amusing to see that, you know, the ones who are improving Chromium are actually the people from Microsoft, not the Google team. Uh, one of the areas that uh, Google Chrome and Chromium team has basically neglected for years have been default controls, right? Stuff like radio buttons, normal buttons, text inputs, password, color selection, matters, progress ranges, date pickers, and all that kind of stuff. It kind of exists. It is there in Chrome and Chromium, right? But it's been there since I don't even know, like probably version one and they haven't changed anything. And some of those controls work terribly on touch screens. Like they're just unusable basically, right? 
So one of the aims of the Microsoft guys was to actually make them touch compatible and make them look a bit more modern within reason, basically. Uh, but you know, I guess the touch uh, priority here comes from the Surface uh, tablets and Surface laptops, which have touch capabilities. And I guess a lot of things nowadays do. So it's kind of nice to see that like the time picker, especially is a really good uh, improvement in my opinion. So you finally will be able to use a touch here instead of, uh, well, yeah, it's basically wasn't usable before. And there are some, you know, like tiny lifts in uh, visuals for stuff like meters, progress ranges, which is just nice to see, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to see that Microsoft is not just, you know, taking Chromium and making edge base of it, but they are actually contributing a lot back to Chromium, which is uh, really great. There's also some notes on accessibility here and uh, yeah, some additional stuff. And they're also requesting feedback. So if you are working a lot with this, make sure to just go and talk to them. I mean, feedback is always great, right? Uh, so yeah. Uh, let me have a look at the chat. It would be nice to see a better way to style form elements. Um, I mean, I think the current form elements are stylable enough. Like what, 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 what do you think is lacking? I mean, I guess the date and time styling is uh, one thing that's completely missing right now, but we're gonna see how that develops. Um, it's definitely true that it would be cool to actually be able to modify them natively as in without you know reinventing your own thing, just maybe color styling or something. But other than that, most of those are pretty flexible in terms of styling at least. But okay, let us continue. Next thing we got here is Firefox new web inspector. So Firefox finally landed, uh, sorry, not web inspector, WebSocket inspector. Firefox finally added WebSocket inspector in the DevTools, uh, something that has been in Chrome uh, for quite some time. But I think the Firefox version is actually quite much more powerful here because it has a few, um, uh, let me try that again, a few quality of life improvements that are, uh, I don't think they're actually in Chrome. I mean, I haven't worked with WebSockets for quite some time, but I don't remember um, that you could search across the WebSocket frames. And I also don't remember that you had the uh, like proper JSON representation. So this was one of my pain points with uh, Chrome DevTools, while you could look at the raw WebSocket frames, you couldn't actually, if, if you send JSON there, you couldn't actually properly explore it unless you know you just like physically copy it, then put it into like editor and then format it as JSON, which was annoying. Now Firefox DevTools actually show you the proper JSON so you can explore it in place with the whole like JSON tree structure and everything, which looks extremely nice. So if you're working with, what is wrong with me today? So if you're working with WebSockets, make sure to check out the new Firefox Developer Edition version 70 that includes these improvements. And uh, yeah, they look pretty damn good. So um, yeah, it's uh, pretty exciting. All right, continuing, we got the update to React master branch that migrates the use deferred value and use transition hooks uh, that was behind enable stable concurrent mode API flag. Um, yeah, so they're basically, it seems like the concurrent mode for React is getting closer to the release, which is something we've been waiting for since the original announcement. Um, when was it? Back in 2018, I think, like somewhere in the middle of a year, whenever they announced the hooks and concurrent mode, and they've been like partially rolling it out over time, and we still don't have like a full on concurrent mode. So we have the fibers now, but not the concurrent mode. 
Seems like it's getting closer. So maybe by the end of year, we're going to actually get it. Um, hopefully that looks pretty exciting. So yes, data concurrency would be very cool to get in React. And uh, this is another step towards it. So there we go. Okay, next thing we got here, and I think this is the last in tips, tricks and bit sized awesomeness is the intent to experiment from blink serial API. So um, there's an explainer from the web incubator group. Um, what is serial API? And why did they decide to go with it instead of going with web Bluetooth and web USB, which was a different proposals. The gist is that, you know, if you go web Bluetooth and web API, it's uh, sorry, web USB, it's actually quite limited, right? Well, um, just giving a serial access gives you way more flexibility. So it's lower level API, essentially. The fact that this exists makes me extremely excited for the web. And um, I would be very curious to see how exactly this ends up because I do like the idea that uh, you could have a web app that could basically interface with your hardware because it brings up some crazy possibilities to web. Obviously, there's like a ton of uh, security concerns, but we're going to see how that develops. That is actually very exciting. And uh, it's like, you know, looking at where the web kind of develops from the at least from the vendor perspective, like the Google and you know Firefox and uh, Microsoft, it seems like at some point is just gonna straight up replace the desktop apps for well, okay, obviously not for the old tasks, right? Because there's still some very low level things you can only do on machine. But for the majority of stuff like your typical crude applications, uh, maybe even some basic file editing like VS code, I can easily see that moving to the cloud as soon as we have all the basic like file system API. And I don't, I don't even think it needs a serial API, right? But this is just mind blowing. Like, and this is really awesome that it exists. In JS we trust. Yes, always bet on JS is, you know, it makes even more sense right now than it did before, to be honest. So uh, there we go. Okay, um, that is it for the tips and tricks uh, and bit size awesomeness. Now we've got two releases this week. All of them are beta alpha pre-releases. So the first major release is the Webpack version five, first beta release. So if you are using Webpack, make sure to go and try it out and see the changes and give them the feedback. So, you know, to make sure that it actually works properly. There is an outline of uh, new major features and experimental features in the tweet feed. If you're interested specifically, there's now persistent caching, easier and better long-term caching, improved tree shaking and reduced runtime. And it also finally, no Node.js polyfilling by default. So you no longer will have Node.js polyfills in your bundles uh, by default and you no longer have to manually disable it, which was extremely annoying when you work with a front-end code. Um, top experiment, uh, the new experimental features are top level await, WebAssembly as a sync module, output as module and asset module type, which is also pretty great. So if you're using Webpack again, make sure to try it out and give them your feedback. Seems to be pretty cool. Um, again, you know, like Webpack got so complex that I'm already, there was a joke recently on Twitter. I don't remember from whom I saw it, but it was like, uh, I am now a junior Webpack engineer in our company because basically all my work is writing Webpack configs, which, you know, doesn't actually seem that far from truth because Webpack configs are <laughs> damn complex. If you don't like damn complex Webpack configs, uh, I got a good news for you. Parcel 2 is now alpha 2. 
With less SAS, Pug, and more plugins, it now supports Babel config.js, supports inline scripts and styles, faster cached builds, and a bunch of other stuff. So if you're interested in Parcel, make sure to try it out with Parcel at Next and give them your feedback as usual. So uh, yeah, this is basically it for the releases, just two of them this week around. Not sure what's happening here, but uh, yeah. Now we got Libris and Demos here. What is wrong with my tongue today? It just doesn't want to talk. So now we got the libraries and Demos. And the first thing we got here today is React Pager. It's a simple React Pager component that also supports gestures and um, has API for switching pages programmatically if you want to. Looks really nice. So if you were looking for the paging component, do check it out. It actually seems pretty solid. Next thing we got here is AntMotion. At least I think that's what it's called because it is open source on the GitHub. You can actually see the parts of it at least on the GitHub. It allows you to use the Ant design framework in React to build your app, but use it, uh, do it like drag and drop ways. You can actually drag and drop those components over here and then just go ahead and edit text as hello world, for example, right? And then you can either preview that right here in place, which is just really cool, or you can uh, publish it directly to the cloud, or you can download it and you know continue working with it locally, which is actually really, really nice uh, layouting and editing tool. There's also like a ton of features that it supports, including CSS editing, and it's just crazy. Uh, so yeah, I guess if you're using Ant Design, this is really good news for you. Make sure to check this one out. It's actually quite damn cool. All right, continuing, we got Library Detector for Chrome, an extension that detects JavaScript libraries that are running on the page. So if you're curious as to what your favorite website is using, or maybe you wanted to know how exactly you could detect libraries on the websites, do check this one out. It's very straightforward. It's open source. It's also really old. Like the one of the first commits is like few, like, you know, almost <laughs> 10 years ago, to be honest. So uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, next thing we got here is bullshit.js, a bookmarklet for translating marketing speak into human readable text. Basically what it does is just, replaces all the um, hype words like best of read, mission critical enterprise into bullshit. And um, it's really fun to just go ahead and try that on pages for stuff like, you know, from companies like Oracle or Apple or Microsoft or Google. A lot of them have bullshit marketing speak. So um, the bookmarklet itself is super straightforward. And there's like a dictionary if you want to contribute back. <laughs> It is very silly, but uh, you know, very amusing to actually see that in action. Right, continuing, we got Whoa CSS and animations for eccentric developers. So this is a set of absolutely bonkers animations that, <laughs> I mean, I guess you can use them on your website, but <laughs> this is this is not even the worst one. So my favorite one is the where is it? Is the Fedora tip? There you go. It's literally adds the Fedora to your div and it tips it, and then Fedora goes away. That's that's all you have to know about this library. So if that sounds interesting, do check it out. Next thing we got here is dial a rotary dial menu for numbers. So this is literally like a rotary dial that you can use to input numbers for some reason. I, I again, I don't know why would you use that on your website. But if you do want to use it, do check it out. It's built using canvas.js. Uh, sorry, the canvas, obviously, 
and uh, some JavaScript, uh, pretty straightforward, also customizable, so you can actually tweak the colors. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it works. <laughs> All right, next thing we got here is Paintero, I guess is how you read it, a JavaScript painting plugin. So this is essentially a full on um, editor that allows you to paint over images uh, or you know paint over white board if you want to and then cut and crop and modify that and as like figures and stuff and brushes it's, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not extremely complex, but it's basically like a paint, right? And seems canvas based, so uh, you can't exactly modify what you did. Um, I mean, it. I, I think it does support control Z, but that's about it. Looks quite nice. So I guess if you wanted to modify images, this is probably the way to go. Okay, uh, continuing, we got cool grids, uh, ultra flexible and extensible grid system for React based on style components and heavily inspired by bootstrap grid system. So this is um, just as it says a react based grid system that you can just use by um, using components. I personally always prefer to use some sort of a CSS framework lately that's been tailwinds just because of how flexible it is, but uh, maybe you prefer using components for grids, then do check this one out. It's actually very tiny and very um, nicely built. All right, next thing we got here is typical. Animated typing in just 400 bytes of JavaScript. So if you wanted to do uh, typing animations, as in, you know, when someone types on your website for whatever reason, then you can do that in just 400 bytes of TypeScript. And it's literally as easy as just calling a function on your target, which uh, seems quite nice. All right. Next thing we got here is noise to scroll. This is probably one of my favorite ones this week around. This is literally allows you to scream at the screen for uh, scrolling the content. So you, you know, we have this very long div and then you click to start, it says, okay, allow the microphone. And now I can just talk here and it will scroll the div for me, but I have to talk really loud, otherwise I won't scroll. So yeah, it literally makes you scream at the screen for, <laughs> for scrolling the content. I don't know why you would want that, but uh, maybe you do, so there you go. Next thing we got here is TSPVs, a really cool visualization of algorithms for solving the traveling salesman problem. Uh, it's also completely open source. So if you were exploring how, what is the traveling salesman problem and how exactly you can solve it, this is a really, really cool visualization. So it's live on the tspviz.com. If you want to try it, you can also check out the um, source code. Let me just permit this stuff here. It is an amazing visualization. Uh, so like there's basically all the algorithms for solving the problem and you can look at them um, with different delays, step by step, and so on and so forth, it is mind-blowingly cool. So if you have any interest in basically solving problems like this and figuring out how do they actually algorithms work visually, make sure to check this one out. It is actually very impressive. All right, continuing, we got human signals, a really nice library for human-friendly process signals. So if you ever tried to work with Node.js and process signals, you know that you typically get either a number or a code, which is then you have to go into manual and look up what the hell is that and what does it mean? Well, this library does it for you. It essentially gives you the name, number, description, supported, action, forced, and standard uh, names for it, basically. So you can easily look up whatever you want about the specific process code in a matter of seconds by just looking it up from this library instead of going into manual, which can be quite handy. 
Right, next thing we got here is Benny, a dead simple benchmarking framework for JavaScript and TypeScript libs. A really nice looking benchmarking framework that essentially allows you to set up uh, test cases with um, whatever many cases you want, essentially testing stuff that will do the multiple benchmarks for you, do the averages, calculate the errors and so on and so forth for you and you just basically do a very basic setup and you are done. So if you're doing a lot of benchmarking and uh, you wanted to simplify it, I guess, uh, do check this one out, it seems to be quite nice. Next thing we got here is Dexy.js, a minimalistic wrapper for IndexedDB, a very nice looking wrapper that works with IndexedDB just as a test that has an API that is very similar to MongoDB, I guess. Uh, the cool thing about that, I mean, I think this library has actually been around for quite some time. The problem being that if IndexedDB wasn't actually supported in Internet Explorer, but now that we are getting, uh, where's my can I use website? Now that we are getting, um, oh, let me just type it, there we go. Now that we are getting Edge based on Chromium, it's finally not gonna be a problem anymore, at least for the evergreen browsers, right? And you can finally use it in uh, your websites without a fear of being, well, basically not being able to use it. So there we go. All right, next thing we got here is Azula or Azula, I'm not sure how exactly to pronounce it. It's a really neat library, lightweight GPU accelerated HTML UIs for native JavaScript. So the way it's built is actually, it has the base C++ code, right? That uses GPU context to render your HTML into a native UI, which is just crazy. The, basically, the way it does it allows you to go uh, and to use very little CPU, very little RAM and very little disk. So the disk size is basically just the slim GPU wrapper that was written along with the JavaScript engine, right? Um, it only works for Windows now because, you know, you have to actually write the C code to make it work on other platforms uh, and writing C code that is cross-platform is quite an endeavor, but it is actually pretty interesting. So uh, if that sounds interesting, do check it out. It seems like a pretty exciting project, at least to keep an eye on. Okay. Yeah, we got zero things. So. <laughs> okay, this is another insane project we got this week. It's a 3D graphics rendering pipeline that is implemented in JavaScript and runs entirely in your terminal. So you can take a 3D graphics scene and then render it in terminal using ASCII symbols. So what you see here is a terminal and all of that stuff, this is rendering some 3D scene, right? I'm not sure what exactly is it rendered, but it renders it using ASCII symbols in your terminal and it doesn't require GPU, which is, I mean, I, I guess there are some use cases for that, but I, this is just bonkers. So if that sounds interesting, do check it out. It's nonetheless, you know, like if you're working with graphics and we're, curious as to how you implement the 3D uh, rendering pipelines, this might be a really good uh, studying material. Okay, um, that is actually it for the libraries and demos. I got some interesting and silly stuff for you today. So the first here is the announcement from archive.org. They have added two and a half thousand more uh, MS-DOS games that are now playable at archive.org. Uh, the cool thing about it, why am I highlighting this is because, well, first of all, because I love games. Um, I don't think that's a secret. Second of all, because those are MS-DOS games and they are now working in your browser using the WebAssembly and the 
uh, DOS simulator. Um, I forgot the name of it. God damn it. Um, what was the name of it? DOSBox. There we go. This is what I want to say. So yes, you can now run DOSBox along with the DOS games right in your browser using WebAssembly and play of all of those really cool old games like Street Rod Digger and a bunch like, yeah, there's, there's a ton of them. Some of them are actually really damn big. Like there are some games that are like half gig in size you have to download before actually running it. But if that sounds interesting, do check it out. There's definitely like the catalog is insanely large. There is a ton of cool stuff. Like you can play Wipeout. You can just go ahead and play Wipeout in your browser. All right, uh, next game we have here is a bit more complicated. It's an SQL murder mystery. So it is your typical murder mystery game, but to solve it, you actually have to use SQL to query the bunch of tables that have data about events, crimes, people, income, solutions, and so on and so forth. So if you are working with um, SQL and you wanted to check your knowledge or maybe you're learning it and you wanna know more, do check this one out. It's already a really neat one. I think it took me a few hours to actually get through it because I'm terrible at SQL apparently, but it's, it's a really fun one. Okay, and the last thing to close this off we got here today is how to exit Vim. This is uh, simple methods for exiting Vim as the repository says, and this is probably the um, best laugh I had all the week. So there is, yeah, this is just, <laughs> there is just some crazy stuff in here. Uh, my favorite way is probably the um, experienced, uh, what was it? experienced uh, the product yeah the experienced product manager way and the product manager way those things are just just read through it okay so some of those ways are just crazy the coolest one uh, that i found that was like made me lol really hard was the timeout way like set a timeout before starting whim and then it's going to close on a timeout so you have exactly like two minutes to work with the, with the file which is it's, i mean it's extremely stupid extremely silly and very fun Okay, that is uh, basically it from my side. So if you guys have any questions or suggestions, feel free to throw them into the chat right now. If not, we can just wrap it up here. For whatever reason, the last few episodes has been just about half an hour long. I guess there's not that many things happening in JavaScript worlds right now, uh, but uh, yeah. Okay, um, meanwhile, while you're thinking about the questions and suggestions, I am just gonna say that as usual, you can find all the mentioned links on the GitHub or on bxjs.dev. You can join our Discord server to discuss any of that or just talk about video games. Um, there's also a Telegram channel that includes all the raw unfiltered links that I collect over the week. And you can follow me on Twitter to see the announcement for the dev streams uh, or bxjs weekly streams. Um, that's basically it. Seems like my link didn't qualify for the podcast. Oh yeah, you shared the React charts link. I originally included it, but then I noticed that it basically no longer maintained and the original author is looking for the maintain, uh, like the other maintainers. So I decided to not include it here for this reason, essentially because it's, you know, kind of um, not exactly safe to recommend unmaintained library. This is This was my reasoning at least. But uh, you know, if it gets, if someone picks it up and maintains it again, I will be more than happy to cover it because the library itself is actually looks pretty good. It's just that it hasn't been updated in quite some time now. Okay, any more questions, suggestions or other stuff? 
Uh, yes, it's on a maintenance mod, and um, I, I mean, you know, it's just like, it's, I don't know, I don't think it's a good idea to include libraries that are no longer supported into the podcast and sharing it with everyone. It's just basically my reasoning behind it. More gaming, I will do a gaming stream tomorrow. I picked up the Disco Elysium, that is the detective RPG thing that looks absolutely bonkers, and I'm gonna stream it tomorrow, so uh, stay tuned. All right, um, any more questions, suggestions? If not, we can just wrap it up here and uh, go um, do something. Yes, I did finish Darksiders 3 that is not related to JavaScript. <laughs> I think you already asked me on the Discord, if I remember correctly, but I did finish it. Okay, well, doesn't seem like there's any more questions or suggestions. So thank you very much for watching. If you missed the podcast, it's gonna be available as a VOD immediately on Twitch and a few hours on YouTube. So thank you guys very much for watching. Thank you for your continued support and I see you next time. Bye.